This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 9, our reading this morning will begin in verse 10. We'll read through verse 17, Luke chapter 9. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them, and spoke to them of the kingdom of God, and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, And the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have once again to gather as your people, to come together to worship you, to look at your word, to see how you have showed your steadfast love to us constantly. Lord, how you have provided for us throughout our entire lives, even in the times when we couldn't see or we didn't understand just how you were working, we know that you were, that you always have been, that you always will, because you are a faithful God. You are faithful to provide everything that we need. You give us us life, you give us breath, you give us shelter, you give us companionship. Most importantly, you have given us the gift of Jesus to take away our sins and to give us eternal life. Lord, help us to remember this morning your provision, your care, your steadfast love. Lord, you've provided for us when we were in lack, when we were in need, when we felt that we didn't have everything that we needed. Lord, you have been faithful. You've provided for us when we've had plenty, when we've had all that we thought we could need. And even in those times, Lord, you have been so good to us. And I pray that wherever we are, wherever each person is this morning, that we would recognize our desperate need for you. Even if it seems like we have all the earthly comforts that we could want, Lord, we still need you. And everything, every gift that we have been given has come from you. Lord, help us to remember that and help us to be generous with the blessings that you've given us, that we would help those who are in need, that we would look outside of ourselves and love each other as the church that you've created us to be, that you've called us to be. Lord, if we are in need, if we are struggling and suffering in various ways, Lord, help us to turn to you. Help us not to fret, not to despair, not to worry, but to turn our eyes to the God who loves us, the God who is able to provide in every way. Lord, this is not just 
financially, not just with things, it's in every area of our lives. Lord, we're needy people in our emotions, in our spirits, in our relationships. Lord, in our bodies, in the way that we, we get sick, we get ill, and all of these things, we are needy because we need you and we are reliant on you. So I pray that you would meet those needs. Lord, we pray for those who are uh, suffering physically right now, whether they're in the hospital, whether they are recovering from, uh, from surgeries and procedures or sickness. Lord, give comfort, give healing. You are the God who knows us. You are the God who has formed us and uh, is able to provide what we need in those situations. Lord, for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones over this last year and months, and there have been so many we know who have lost those that are dear to them, we pray that you would comfort them. We pray that in difficult situations, as we're faced with the reality of, of this fallen world that's been tainted and damaged by sin, and now death is a reality that we face, God, I pray that you would give comfort and that you would direct us and call us to yourself through those difficult situations. Lord, we know that you don't waste anything, so help us to see that. God, would you be glorified wherever we are, whatever we face this morning. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us this gift, this blessing of your church, of the ability to come together freely to worship you without fear of, of being shut down or, or, or shut up. Lord, we know that we can worship you, and we thank you for that. And I pray that we would recognize it as the privilege that it is. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us this morning through your word, that you would convict us, that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray for Pastor Aaron as he, as he preaches the word. I pray that he would speak clearly, that those words would be those that you have ordained for him to say, and that your Holy Spirit would apply them to our hearts that you would shape us, that you would mold us, that you would form us into the people, into that pure, spotless bride that you have created us to be. God, would you be glorified. Would the name of Jesus be exalted in everything that happens here this morning. And Lord, don't let us leave this place the same as we walked in, but do your work. We ask these things knowing that you are faithful to do them. So we look forward to the work that you will do in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, First Prize. Um, I don't know if about you, but I'm one of those guys that really enjoys uh, watching people be pushed beyond their comfort zone. I, I, I think that's just come to me as a coach. I think it's one of the things in my life that I've, I've loved to see people stretched and pushed and, you know, one of the things I actually like watching on TV is a triathlon. A triathlon is a three-sport event. It's usually swimming, cycling, and also running. And one of the things that always captures me about that is you watch these people who just seem like they're going beyond where they think possible to be able to go. And they're pushing themselves in a way that just seems to be going further and further and further now, the key word in what I just said was watching. I'm really good at watching them do the triathlon. Like you, I don't like to be pushed. I don't like to be stretched beyond my comfort zone. None of us do, amen? 
if we're honest, we're very comfortable sitting on a couch or in our lazy boy watching somebody else be pushed and stretched and taken yet further. And that's exactly the picture we see in this ninth chapter. As you remember, Jesus is training the disciples. And we sit back in our comfort of our, of our lazy boys, so to speak, and we're really comfortable watching them be pushed outside of their comfort zone. But friends, I draw your attention to this, that this text we're reading today is really about pushing us outside of our comfort zone. Let's look at our text. Beginning in verse um, 10, it says this, On the return, the apostles told him all that they had done. Now, if you remember, previously, last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus was sending the disciples out. He gave them a very specific mission. Their mission was to go and preach and declare about the kingdom of God. At the same time, they were called to cure diseases. That they were to care for the people while declaring the goodness of God and his kingdom, the power of God. And we see that they're gone for a period of time. Now, ironically, we're not told in any of the Gospels, and here's an important point, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk of this event. This is one of those major events in Scripture that all of the Gospels want to use to draw attention to who Jesus is. But none of those Gospels tell us exactly how long the disciples were out doing their work. What we kind of get is that it was for a while. There seemed to be a period of time that they're out doing what they've been called to do. In fact, one of the things that kind of helps us see this is in Matthew 14, we're actually told that this event happens just after the beheading of John the Baptist. And what's interesting about that is, for some reason, when this event happens, it's going to take time, right, for that news to get to Jesus. And we're told that Jesus hears the news, and by the time he hears the news, finally the disciples are back with him. So Jesus hears the news that John the Baptist is beheaded, his disciples have returned, and when they return, they want to give a report for all they've done. Now, if you've been in the church any length of time, you're used to missionaries coming, usually on a Sunday night, and they'll usually give a a long, drawn-out, detailed work of all that they've been up to. It's a way in which they can report and, and share about the goodness of God and what God has been doing in and through their ministry. Well, friends, that's exactly what the disciples are doing here in our text. They're giving Jesus a report of all that God had done through them. Imagine them sharing the news of all they preached and how people responded. Imagine them giving the news of the people that were healed and how thankful they were. Imagine as they're sharing all of this news, they're getting excited and they're really having a good time, but they're tired. They've been gone. They've been on the field. They've been working. Friends, you ever experienced that moment when you are, are really, really excited, but at the same moment you're really, really tired? I remember a specific event in my life. I remember coming back from a college trip where I went over to Israel. Interesting enough, I was in a Bible college, and we were given credit if we would go on this trip. And I was really eager to go, and I remember going and, and thinking of all the things that I was going to see and experience And while I was there, 
I was totally blown away by being in the very land where Jesus walked and the disciples had experienced all these wonders that we're reading about today. One of the things was when I got back, I wanted to share with my parents everything that I had experienced. I remember trying to stay up because I, the time change and I was just exhausted from all of the, the journeying and traveling. And I remember getting back and I wanted to share with them everything that happened. And the adrenaline kind of kept me going for a while. But I vividly remember crashing. I vividly remember just totally losing it and just needing to go to sleep. And when I read the story of the disciples as they're given a report, That's exactly where I picture them. They're totally excited about all that Jesus had done in and through them. All the people that heard the good news, all the people whose lives were now changed because they were healed, but they were just so tired. They were exhausted. You pick up key words throughout our text, things like weary, You pick up those little words and you begin to put it together with the bigger picture of the other Gospels and you begin to see that these disciples were exhausted. This becomes very important because of what is about to take place. See, as the disciples get together and as they're ultimately trying to share with Jesus everything that's happening, Jesus wants to hear about it. And so Jesus does something according to verse 10 of Luke 9. It says he, he took them and he withdrew with the disciples. But Mark says it a little differently. Mark in Mark 6 says he took them away to a deserted place, a place to be alone, a place to rest. And when they got to that place, Mark goes on to explain what happened. The people caught on to where Jesus was. And Jesus at this point in his ministry is very popular for people are being healed and and experiencing great uh, things from Jesus. And so when news got out where Jesus was, many started going and coming to where Jesus was. So there was no rest. There was no leisure. There was no comfort. See, the disciples in that moment, they just wanted to be charged up. They just wanted some time of deep fellowship with Jesus. They had been on the field. They had been serving. They came back. They wanted to share. They just wanted some alone time with Jesus. After all, Jesus would often get alone by himself to be with the Father. It seemed natural. It seemed seemed normal that they would just want to be alone. But because of the craziness of life and all that was happening... They couldn't be alone with Jesus. The people were beginning to press in. Friends, let me ask you a question this morning. As you think about your own life, and you think about the fact that each and every one of us have been called to be on mission just like Jesus, just like his disciples, just like the church of old, just as each and every one of us have been called to serve the kingdom, do you know that exhaustion Do you know what it is to be tired from serving? But more importantly, do you understand that Jesus is the one who recharges? So let me ask you a really direct question. Are you seeking to get along with Jesus? 
It sounds like a, 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 a kind of a weird question in a, in a sermon about disciples who are going to feed some people. Why is this need to be alone with Jesus so important? Because let me say this. If you haven't been alone with Jesus, you're not going to have the strength to do anything else. The church, one of the things we neglect most often is times of prayer. One of the things we find to be the most difficult is getting alone in the Word. And yet, what we're going to see in this text is that the need to be with Jesus is extreme. And here's why. The power we so desperately need can only come from Jesus. That's exactly what the disciples are going to experience. Look at verse 11. When the crowds learned of it, they followed him And Jesus welcomed them. He spoke to them of the kingdom of God, and he cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and the countrysides to find lodgings and to get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. Friends, I draw your attention to what's happening in this text. The crowds are hearing where Jesus is. They're running to Jesus. They want to be near Jesus. And rather than sending them away like the disciples want, Jesus does the exact opposite. Jesus welcomes them. Jesus preaches to them. Jesus begins to heal them. He does this late into the evening. It says the weariness of the day. The, The disciples at this point have to be beside themselves. We just wanted to get alone with you. You said you were going to take us to a deserted place. This was supposed to be some us time. And in the midst of it, Jesus welcomes these people. Jesus ministers to these people. And it's getting late. Jesus, don't you understand? We need you. That's what I hear the disciples crying. But notice the way the disciples do it. They say it in a way of compassion. Jesus, we need to care for the people. Uh, Jesus, if we really love these people, we would send them away from this deserted place to go into town to get something to eat, to find lodging for the night. They all can come back tomorrow. You know, isn't that how we do it? We always just kind of cover up our real heart and we cloak it in compassion. You know, I served down south for a number of years. I learned an expression. The expression is, bless her heart. Bless her heart. I really thought, man, these people are so gentle. These people are so gracious. Bless her heart. I'd hear that all the time. And then I started hearing about me. Bless his heart. Until I learned, you know what it really means? You're a moron. (laughs) That's what it really means. You're a moron. And I remember hearing that and thinking, the compassion these people have. Friends, that's what we do all the time. We cloak our compassion when really we're just selfish. We're we're tired of serving. We're tired of giving. And the reason is we haven't been with Jesus. But Jesus, notice, is never tired of giving. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is healing. And the disciples, in the midst of that, they're crying out to Jesus saying, Jesus, you've got to send these people away. These people have nothing to eat. These people are in trouble. They need a place to rest. But what's interesting, very interesting about this is verse 3 of chapter 9, where Jesus originally told the disciples when they went on their journey, 
Don't take any bread with you. Remember that? And Jesus was saying, you don't need to prepare yourself because I'm going to be the one who prepares you for everything you need. Just hold on to me. So when Jesus was preparing to send them out, Jesus said, don't take any bread for the journey. And even before that, all the way back in chapter 5, when Jesus originally calls the disciples, do you remember that story when they were sitting there at the sea and they were out fishing all day and here comes Jesus and he says to Peter and the fishermen, he says, you know what, you guys go out one more time and cast your nets out. And they look at Jesus and say, we're fishermen. And let us tell you, there is no fish out there right now. You just stick to your stuff, we'll stick to ours. And Jesus says, no, trust me. And they row out, they get out there, they cast the nets. Do you remember what it begins to happen to the boats? They begin to sink because they're filled with such fish. See, all through this, Jesus is saying, trust me, look to me. I am your support, I am your strength. I am the power that you need. If you're gonna have compassion for other people, it's gonna come through me. Jesus is making it very clear that while the disciples were acting like they're showing compassion, Jesus was going to show them what real compassion looked like because Jesus is saying, I will have compassion on them. It's exactly what Jesus did. All the different writers talk about it. Luke, he says he welcomed them. Matthew says he had compassion on them. Mark steps up the game and says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mark explains the heart that ultimately Jesus saw these people wandering who needed a shepherd. They needed protection. They needed love. They needed care. And Jesus is saying, that's why I came. And Jesus all along is trying to teach his disciples, that's why I sent you on mission. Mission doesn't just happen when we're in a comfy, cozy place, mission takes us and stretches us much like an athlete doing a triathlon. Let me tell you, anybody who's done any sort of mission will tell you that. It's not just when it's convenient or comfortable. It's when it stretches you beyond your comfort, when it stretches you beyond your convenience, when it pushes you beyond your limits. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say. Look at me. I'm tired. I'm human as well, 100% human and 100% divine. In my humanity, I am tired. I am weary. I need rest, but I serve. And so should you is what Jesus is saying. So should you. Jesus here in that moment is teaching his disciples that even in their weariness, they're to have compassion See, we need to remember something. Often we forget that people around us, most of them have it worse than we do. That's what we forget. We look at someone and we assume they're doing better than us. But Jesus understood people's lives. He knew their hearts. He knew their struggles. And that's why Mark says when he looked at them, he saw them as a sheep without a shepherd. He saw who they really were. Oh, that we would pray that we would be given the eyes that Jesus had for people. That we would be given a heart that Jesus had for people. That we would desire to love beyond our limits people. That we would be willing to go and be and do the things that Christ has called us to be and do. 
See, our mission is to, towards others is to love them like Christ loved them. To see them in their needy place. To give them what they really need, which is him. Too often we want to just serve out of our convenience or our comfort. Where Jesus says, I want you to serve beyond that. Because when you begin to serve beyond that, that's when you start to really show them me. Do you see that, church? It's when we begin to really serve beyond our limits that Jesus really begins to shine. When it's beyond our comfort, when it's beyond our timetable, when ultimately they see us so desperate for Jesus' help that they can't help but see Jesus. That's what Jesus was saying. See, the truth here is that that meeting the needs of others can make us weary. And it will. Carrying the load of somebody else is, is heavy burden. It's, it's, it's tiring. And some of you in this room, you're very weary, and I get that. But in our weariness, in our trouble, this is an opportunity to show the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, a compassion we ourselves have experienced through Christ who despite our hardness of hearts or our stubbornness towards sin, he loves us. He's forgiven us. He went to the cross for us. He's taken our shame. He's taken our guilt. And he nailed it there for us. That's the great love he has shown us, that he expects us to show one to another. Not just out of our convenience or our comfort, but in our weariness. See, the bottom line for all of us is that we need to know the compassion and love of Jesus ourselves. For until we truly love Jesus and truly, truly know his compassion in our lives, we're going to be limited to serve out of our own source tank, our own ability. But when we come to truly know Jesus and spending time with him, That's when we're going to discover an ability that transcends our own strength, our own power. Look at verses 13 through 17. It says in the beginning of verse 13, but he said to them, when they complained about sending them away, he said, you give them something to eat. Notice Jesus' stark words there, you do it. Jesus wasn't letting the disciples off the hook and neither should we. You do it, he said. We have no more than five loaves and two fishes unless we go and buy some food for these people, they said. For there were about 5,000 men. That's not including the women and children. And he said to the disciples, okay, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And they did so. And they had them sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessings over it. He broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they ate. And don't miss this. They were satisfied. That's huge. They ate and the people were satisfied. 
Friends, I draw your attention to verses 13 and 17 to help us see this point. Jesus didn't let the disciples off the hook. Jesus was actually testing the disciples. According to John, in John 6, he says, for he knew within himself what he would do. He knew his action. He knew he was going to feed the people that day. You know why? Because that's why Jesus came. He says, to feed people? Jesus came to point to himself of why he came. And Jesus was going to make it crystal clear that everyone needed him, including the disciples. This was an opportunity to teach them about their need. So often those serving in the church aren't feasting themselves. They're giving out of their emptiness rather than their overflow and abundance of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you need me. See, Jesus was forcing them past the point of exhaustion to force them for the first time to really see how desperately they need Jesus. William Hendrickson, one of the professors, he says this, he says, the problem with these disciples was that they focused all their attention on the problem, the vast hungry crowd, But all along, they miss the power and the love of Jesus. How often are we focusing on the problem and missing the power and the love of Jesus in whatever we're facing? See, Jesus was forcing the disciples to see that the strength they possessed themselves wasn't enough. Jesus was forcing them in their circumstance to see that that's why he came He came to meet their needs. He came to meet all those who trust in him, their needs. They could not do this work under their own power. In order to do this work, they needed Jesus' power. They needed Jesus' strength. They needed Jehovah Jireh, which is an Old Testament Hebrew name of God, which means God will provide. That's the point. Jesus wanted them to see that he is the provider. Church, wake up. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot fix your families on your own. You cannot make more money on your own. You cannot do all the things on your own. Dependence must be found upon Jesus Christ. Jehovah Jireh. That's what Jesus was teaching this day. That's the classroom that he was teaching in. He was pointing back in many ways to the story of the Exodus. In Exodus 16, when the people grumbled and complained after they had been liberated from the bondage of sin, they grumbled and complained. After he had taken them through the Red Sea, they grumbled and complained. Why? Because their bellies were hungry. They could trust him to free him from Egypt. They could watch the 10 plagues. They could watch the Egyptians drown in the Red Sea, but they didn't trust him in the desert. How many, that's us. We trust Jesus to get us to heaven, but we don't trust him with now. We don't trust him in the suffering, in the struggles now. But Jesus did provide. 
Just like God in the Old Testament provided the quail and the manna for the people every morning, telling them never to take more manna than they needed for that day. Because if they did, it would just evaporate. It would just rot and just be destroyed. Because God's saying, my strength for you is sufficient each day in and of itself. John picks up on this when he quotes Jesus to say, I am the bread of life. Jesus is our sustenance. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our support. Jesus is the God who provides. Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. And what Jesus wanted his disciples to see was that they needed him. It was great they came back with reports of victory and of teaching and of wonders. But he wanted them to see how desperately they needed him so that for a moment they wouldn't begin to believe in their own abilities, their own strength, their own power. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. Every trial is a blessing. Every struggle is really a means of grace because it forces us to look up. It reminds us of how weary and tired we are under our own power and how desperately we need to get alone with Jesus. Church, do you believe that this morning? And do you believe that every struggle is a means of grace? It's an opportunity for you to understand how desperately you need Jesus. Let me tell you, as a parent, I'm learning this every day. The truth of the matter is, I used to think, oh, I could parent better than most people. I used to think I was a youth pastor for years. I know how to work with teenagers until I had my own. And now I'm left baffled wondering, where did all that experience that I had in youth ministry go? Why is it that I can't figure things out? Why is this so hard, God? I'm so tired, help. And I think that's when he smiles. That's what I want you to do. You can't parent in your own strength. You can't lead on your own power. You need to depend upon me. And that's true of every aspect of our lives. No matter what we're doing, we must depend upon Jesus. For Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. Jesus is the God who provides. Jesus has provided everything we need. There is nothing lacking. Our job is to depend. To depend completely upon him. And so Jesus stepped up. Kind of pushed the disciples aside. I kind of envision it. He says, you just do this. You sit them down in groups of 50s and 100s. And then Jesus took the bread, which we're told was given by a boy who brought his lunch. Two fish, five loaves. The gospel writers tell us that this boy had this. And so what's amazing to me is these 12 men, what they couldn't do, God was going to do through a child. Because it's God doing it. Do you see that, church? It's God doing it. And he can use a child. So he took the bread, and one of the most amazing things, Jesus blessed it. And as he blessed it, 
the people began to eat. In groups of 50s, groups of 100s. And as they eat, they all had their fill. And the writers of the Gospels make it very clear that everyone there in that moment was satisfied. They were satisfied in the provision of Jesus. And that's what we need to be. Satisfied in the provision of Jesus. When it comes to our salvation, we need to be satisfied in the finished work of the cross. We need to stop believing that if we do something wrong, we need to do two good things to make up for it. That's works righteousness. And we need to stop believing that if we're going to get a blessing from the Lord, then therefore we need to go out and do blessings unto others. That's works righteousness. We need to start being satisfied in the complete, finished work of Jesus. He paid it all. We're resting in him. And because of who he is, we're able to be who we are. Amen? That's the point. Jesus is the provider. Jesus meets our every need. Jesus and Jesus alone can satisfy. And one of the coolest things happens at the end of the story. Jesus says to the disciples, go back and pick up the crumbs. I don't want anything remaining. And as the disciples go, you know how many baskets they come back with? Twelve. I believe one for each of them. Kind of stood there just staring at that basket, going, where did this come from? Friends, isn't that true for each of us? When we lean on Christ, we're amazed at the strength he provides to get through whatever conflict we face, whatever problem arises. We're amazed. Look at what the Lord provided, and we can be satisfied. Church, I hope you see this. This was an opportunity for the disciples to be stretched beyond their limits, just like it's an opportunity each and every day for you to be stretched beyond yours. This is an opportunity to see how desperately we truly do need Jesus. For Jesus alone is the one who satisfies. For Jesus alone is the one who provides. Cling to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close our Bibles, as we step away from this text, Lord, I pray that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. I pray, Lord, that our hearts are warm to know that we're not alone because we do serve a Christ who has compassion, who welcomes sinners, who welcomes those who are sheep without a shepherd. He has come to shepherd us well. Lord, we may we, his disciples, learn from him be strengthened by him and serve in and through his power. May we know him as the God who provides, the Jehovah Jireh. May we, Lord, we trust him and lean on him and find our satisfaction in him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.